the church is in her most somber time of the year now. It's Lent. It, it's Ash Wednesday. It, it's that time where, where the church season seems to match up with the winter season. That's not the case today. Today was a beautiful day. But, but as a general statement, usually in, in winter it is dark more than it is light. It is gloomy. The, the gray skies just seem to never end. And we're starting to, to get to that point that we're, we're itching. We're saying, is spring ever going to come? So in the church season of Lent, it's a little bit more gloomy. It's a little darker than other seasons. And maybe sometimes in Lent we might think, is, is Easter ever going to come? Here in our midweek services here at St. Lawrence, we're going to take a look at Jesus' last week, his final days. And we're going to take a, get, get a cue from the Gospels, because the Gospels really seem to slow down to tell us the narrative of Jesus' last week here on earth. To, to kind of put it into perspective for you, there's, there's all of the chapters in, in all of the Gospels. 30% of all of the Gospels talk about this last week in Jesus' life. Jesus was, was on this earth for 30-ish years, which translates to about 1,500-ish weeks. So 30% of all of the Gospels is spent on one of those 1,500 weeks. Or to put it as a a fraction, 30% of the Gospels is spent on one one one-thousandth of Jesus' life. So we're going to take a cue from the Gospels and kind of slow down and kind of see exactly what's going on here in the last week of Jesus' life. And our time begins around a, a dinner table. It's Friday, seven days before Jesus is going to die. It's in Bethany. And around this dinner table is Jesus, Lazarus, Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus' disciples. And there's a guest of honor at this dinner party. That's Jesus. You see that they are, are hosting this dinner as a kind of celebration of the fact that Lazarus is back with them. Because it was just back in John 11, just one chapter before, that Jesus had brought Lazarus back from the dead. And this normal dinner party is going to quickly turn into one that we'll remember for the ages. Because Mary is about to embark on a special act of devotion for Jesus. You see, Mary is going to take the time to say thank you to Jesus for raising her brother Lazarus back from the dead. Now, when people do things for, for us, we usually say thank you, right? We, we might go up to them, shake their hand, or, or, or give them a big hug and say thank you. Or if it's, a little, if it's something bigger, we might give them a baked good. Or if it's maybe something a little bigger than, than that, a, a thank you note, or something a little bit bigger than that, a, a gift card, or if it's really big, 
They might give them a gift basket. But can you imagine what you could dream up if you had the opportunity to, to thank someone for raising your brother from the dead? Now Mary, Mary came up with something. But Mary knew that, that whatever gift she gave Jesus was, was not going to be big enough. We can imagine if, if we were in her place that, that there, would be, there would be no amount of words or really no amount of gift that could say thank you. But Mary settled on pure nard. Now pure nard, that's, that's a little uh, obscure for us. We're not really quite, quite uh, common. We're, pure nard isn't really common today. But what we do know is that pure nard is a fragrance. It, it's a liquid. And she had about 12 ounces of it, so about the size of a Coke can. And I'm assuming that the rules for fragrances back then were the same that they are now. And what I mean by that is that you just need a couple squirts. That's all. You know, we've, we've all talked talk to those people that accidentally perhaps put on a little bit too much perfume and too much cologne, and it's very striking when we go up and, and talk with them. We, we kind of hit the, uh, the smell, smell cloud. But you see, Mary didn't care about that. Mary didn't care what anybody thought. All she, that she could think about at that exact moment is she was pondering what Jesus had done for her. And really, so it is with Lent. You see that Mary is a prime example for us for, for what is Lent, for what Lent is about, because Lent is born out of, out of a gratitude that we have for Jesus, for what he has done for us. You see, Mary was, was thanking Jesus for what he had done for Lazarus, but we thank Jesus for our own very lives. Because we know that without Jesus interceding for us, we wouldn't be like Lazarus who came out of the grave. No, we would stay in. As, as the Psalms call it, a pit of misery. And we know that there is no amount of silver or gold or frankincense, incense, myrrh, or pure nard. I could say thank you adequately for what Jesus has done for us. You can imagine the disciples. The disciples were probably tracking Mary's every movement as she got closer and closer to Jesus. And when, when Mary was in front of Jesus, she'd, she kneeled down, assuming the posture of, of a servant, and, and it was as if Mary was about to, to wash Jesus' feet. But there was no water basin and no water, no rag. And we can't imagine what was going through Mary's mind. You see that it was just a couple of days ago that she was probably just, just standing over her, her brother's body weeping for his death. It was just a couple of days ago that, that Mary was, was probably anointing Lazarus' body for death with spices and aloes, as was the custom in that day, but perhaps, yes, even perhaps with that same bottle of 
yard. Now, if the disciples weren't paying attention then, they certainly are now. Because the the text tells us that, that the room was filled with that smell. What started out as the smell of a good home-cooked meal, and we know exactly what that smells like, quickly transformed into the smell of a royal house. But we know that this text isn't, isn't all about Mary, right? This text isn't all about Mary's special act of devotion to Jesus. No, the text tells us, well, in fact, Jesus tells us that it's about so much more. Jesus makes it about so much more because Jesus knew what was coming next. So Jesus tells everybody gathered around that dinner table that night that Mary was somehow and and, and unknowingly anointing Jesus' body for burial. Are you, are you getting the, the picture? Because there's a little bit of irony that's starting to creep up. You see, what started as a gesture born out, out of gratitude for bringing life back from death now turns into an act of bringing life to death. There's a, a little bit more irony that's, that's going to come in with Judas's words. Because Judas's words were meant to belittle and scorn Mary for what she was doing. But in fact, Ju- Judas's words and Judas's type of question is where we find the gospel tonight. Judas asked a why question. Judas's question why did you not sell the Purinard and, and give the 300 denarii to the, to the poor? Well, answer, because Jesus' life is worth so much more than that. We know that. Mary knew that. Judas did not know that. And it would take him a, a couple more days, a few more days to figure that out. And he would figure it out the hard way. If you remember, Judas comes back into the narrative when he betrays Jesus, when he sells Jesus to the high priest. And in some way, Judas is selling Jesus' body, which has been anointed for burial, to the high priests. But do you remember how much it was? Was it 300 denarii? No. 200 denarii? Nope. 100 50? No. It was a mere 30 pieces of silver. Now there's some biblical scholars that are much smarter than me that look to convert the currency back in the day to the currency of now. And they say it's as if Judas was given $600 for Jesus. But Mary spent upwards of thirty to $40,000 on this ointment to anoint his body for burial. 
But we said we would find the gospel in, in the why question. But our why is not directed towards Mary because what she did was a beautiful thing. Our why is directed to Jesus. Jesus, why did you allow your body to be sold to, to the high priest for 30 pieces of silver? We know that your life is worth so much more than that. Jesus, why did you uh, allow yourself to be beaten down by our, our sin? We know that your life is worth more than that. Jesus, why did you allow your, your body to be beaten down by sin? Jesus, why did you allow your body to be beaten down from, from the sin of, of sitting in front of a computer late at night? Jesus, we know that your life is worth so much more than that. Jesus, why did you allow your body to be de- beaten down by the sin of, of loving to take somebody else's pride away? Your life is worth so much more than that. Jesus, why did you let your body be beaten down by by the sin of feeling satisfaction for tearing somebody else down? Jesus, your life is worth so much more than that. Jesus, why did you allow yourself to be beaten down by the sin of stealing something from someone that, that one time and they don't know about it? Jesus, your life is worth so much more than that. Jesus, your life is worth so much more than really anything. You see, just as Jesus allowed Mary to freely anoint his body for burial that night, that Friday, seven days before his death, so Jesus allowed the world to freely have their way with his life. You see, we learn a lot about somebody's heart from seeing their actions. And we saw that in the text. We saw, we, we learned a lot about Mary's heart from that special act of devotion she did toward Jesus. We learned a lot about Judas's heart from the lack of action. But it's not just true in the text. In our real life here, it's true. And in fact, we have seen it be true in a very, very, very negative way in the state of Michigan these last couple of months. with the man of Larry Nasser, What we thought was, was a pure heart turned out to be a, a monstrous heart looking to pry on the innocence of anyone and everyone. We learn a lot about someone's heart from seeing their actions. But there was this, this girl And she was one of those very brave and very bold girls that that talked to Larry at his sentencing. And her name was Rachel. And we learned a lot about Rachel that day because of her actions. We saw a lot from her heart because it really points us to Jesus' heart. We have a clip from it right here. In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom. And you have spoken of praying for forgiveness. And so it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you have read the Bible you carry, you know that the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness, but Larry, if you have read the Bible you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. 
And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. We learn a lot about somebody's heart from seeing their actions. Now, I, I had to trim down that clip for, for a cu- couple of reasons. One, for length, because it was about a 40-minute clip. And two, to make sure that it was appropriate to, to show in worship services. But after that, she would go on to extend forgiveness to Larry. We learn a lot about someone's heart from seeing their actions. So we said that we would get to the gospel question to the gospel from the question, why? And I think to get to the answer, we have to look at Jesus' actions. Because that's where his heart is. Jesus, who chose to, to dine with his friends just seven days prior to his death, instead of fleeing the scene. Jesus, who, who chose to prove to us each and every day that he was the son of God and not leave us hopeless. Jesus, who chose to stay on the cross, feeling the weight of your sin and my sin. And all of it was for you. That's the gospel. So this Lent, this Lent, this Ash Wednesday, we look to be like like Mary. We look to ponder what Jesus has done for us. Us and, and we adorn our brows with the cross of, of ashes, remembering that that is where his heart is. And we do it out of remembrance that there is no amount of denarii or, or silver or pure nard that can say thank you or that can redeem us. But it's only by his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And he too redeems your heart for work in his kingdom. Because we know that where your actions are, there your heart is as well. So next week, this this party will continue. But it will move from a a little small party around a dinner table to a citywide party. But Jesus is still the guest of honor. Until then, we say, come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.